The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. Uh, to learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter and look for this show as hashtag leadership. So the topic today is uh, there is no checklist to leadership. And our guests for today show are Helen Norris, uh, CIO with Chapman University. Hi, Helen. How are you? I'm great today. Thank you. Sanjog, how about yourself? Oh, very good. Thank you so much. And I also have Jim Smith, who's the CIO with Office of Information Technology, State of Maine. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing very well and enjoying a beautiful fall up here in Maine. Oh, tell me about that. We're enjoying the summer yet again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, the topic today, it's not the first time we are covering leadership, but this came up because uh, we have seen a lot of people giving, I mean, basically there are books coming out all the time, people are giving lectures and sermons, and there are coaches and there are mentors. All of that is there, that's great. However, I read a book sometime back which was uh, titled, You Don't Learn How to Ride a Bicycle at a Seminar. And the only way you learn is by doing it, no matter how many instructions you give. So if we are talking about real leadership, can we really read the books and be ready to face all the different problems we'll face, the different pressures we'll go under, and also the pain points that we will experience throughout the the process? So the goal here today is to see if there is nothing that can be um, prescriptive about leadership, how does one go through this journey? Nobody's born a leader, or you could say perhaps that somebody's born a leader. So let's let's first kind of look at the kind of leadership that is expected in the times that we are, the organizations we are in, and the demands our customers and the environment is uh, you know placing on us. So Helen, I'll start with you. What do you think is required in this leadership of today? Well, that's a, a good question. You know, speaking from my own experience, uh, we have visions or, you know, we have a view of what we think leaders are. We see them as people who are really make great decisions and uh, have a view, a strategic overview of the organization. Uh, and are often we see them as great orators and great communicators. And all of those things really are important as leaders. But I'd also like to note that in my experience, uh, in today's organizations, the skills that truly great leaders need are really around collaboration and understanding, which leads to a lot of listening. So I, I think that one of the key skills that leaders today need is the ability to listen to others, whether it's their their own staff or uh, their partners across the organization with whom they work. So in order to be a great strategist and a, a great visionary, 
you really have to be able to listen to other people. So to me, that's one of the greatest, um, most important skills that leaders need to develop is the ability to really, really listen and to have empathy for those uh, around you. So that's that's my two cents on, on what skills we need as leaders today. Jim, what would you like to add to this? I think I think Helen Helen is exactly right on that, and you know, especially those those listening skills as we as we look at uh, you know the evolution of information technology and the resources and moving from from technocrats to leaders. You know, we, we sort of look at those soft skills, and, you know, the last company I was at, we did a study of this. We we looked at, you know, we'd hire X number of people a year, and we'd say, of those people, some are just sort of, you know, they're, they're heads, head and shoulders above. They're really leaders. They really stand out, you know. What are the attributes they bring to the job, and, and how can we how can we start to search for that and start finding that type of talent? And, you know, the listening skills certainly very important. Things like dealing with ambiguity, you know, we were, we. We move yeah. in a fast-paced world where the technology is changing, the organizations are changing, the business requirements are changing. So how do people move forward in that kind of area of uncertainty? So this dealing with ambiguity, the collaboration, is, as Helen mentioned, and you know, she started to talk about what we're calling today emotional intelligence, those type mm-hmm. of things, and this idea of being able to tell a story. How do you... How do you inspire people? You know, it's that idea of a story and leadership and, and bringing people into that, that conversation. And so, you know, I think that, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time, probably going on 40 years now. And, and the evolution I've seen in leadership now is, is kind of a, a, a astounding. And, of course, you know, back in that day, the, the CIO was in the back room. They usually reported to a financial person or something like that. Well, now they're at the table and the table with the board of directors and as a business leader. And as a business leader, you have to learn to develop those type of skills that are saying even beyond technology because the technology changes so fast. But those type of skills, those leadership skills, I think, stay constant. So as the topic says that there is no real checklist to leadership, so I'm sure that even if someone learns the art of listening and you build the other competencies that doesn't automatically just check a box and then suddenly you are a leader. Because when we are talking about a leader means you mentioned, Jim, ambiguity. Till you don't jump into it, how on earth would someone know how to deal with it? Yes, I can read a book. In fact, there was Harvard Business Review booklet on a bunch of different articles who says on managing uncertainty. If I were to go from cover to cover, do you think I could know how to deal with it when it really comes to it? Jim? I guess, I guess it depends how fast you read. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think you're exactly right. And I think the premise of this discussion is exactly right. This, you know, the checklist versus the experience. I, but I think it is a hybrid, you know, a hybrid approach here. You know, I came from private industry all my life in financial services and insurance and technical roles. And then I took this, this role in government. Completely different, completely different how decisions are made, the constituents, the review process, all that kind of stuff. You know, at some point, somebody had to help me with that. You learn some of that, but there's also somebody saying, well, this is how we get things approved, or this is the process for picking a vendor or a service or something like that. So I think, uh, Sanjang, it's a combination of, you know, let me do some reading, let me do some thinking about this, let me learn, you know, the checklist, that type of stuff, you know, because you can sort of go down those type of things. Boy, you better be a good communicator. You know, you better show some leadership by example, that type of stuff. You better have a plan, and you better be able to, you know, visibly show that plan and share that plan with people. Where are we going? Where is this journey taking us? How are we going to be different, 
two years down the road or three years down the road? You know, how are you going to involve, identify and involve your, your future leaders and that type of stuff? But I think you're exactly right. At some point, it's, it's an experience, right? It's how to, you have to do the job, right? You have to do the job, and you have to, just as we have to allow the leaders who report to us to make mistakes, we're going to make some mistakes here, too. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that we're not going to know all the answers. So, Helen, if I were to use a term, a leadership apprentice mm-hmm. or a leadership student, is that what we are going to remain throughout our life or would we come to a leadership, uh, a normal professional and a leadership expert ever? Because as Jim said, when the environment changed, parameters changed, the, the, you never had experience working in it. So suddenly you might be thinking you're an expert in one area in financial services, Jim, uh, could be like and could see himself as moving towards an expert, but suddenly he would come back into a mode where the environment has changed. So his 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 variables in which he was used to demonstrating or using his skills would have changed, and that would kind of bring you to ground zero. So is that what really happens, Helen? If you were to look at it in in the fashion that I've described, it, it is, and I think we're no matter how quote expert we become. We are all we sh- we are always leadership students. We we've got to be learning. The environment changes, as as Jim pointed out. The technology changes. So I think uh, for me, I, I intend to be a student of leadership my entire life because there will always be something new to learn. You always have to keep your skills sharp. I really appreciate Jim's point about um, moving though from one organization with a very different style and uh, culture, if if I can use that term, to another, because that's a great example of how you have to adjust your leadership style depending on uh, the organization. I myself, I've been in higher education for a long time. It's a very collaborative um, environment. We make decisions by committee a lot of the time. I, I suspect if I moved into a more corporate environment or, or maybe even, you know, I kind of think of something the opposite, a military environment, I probably have to adjust my skills a little bit too. So as a leader, you have to accept, I think one of the qualities a leader needs to have is that ability to learn and that openness to learning. I, I've worked for people who, you know, I know we all have, who thought they already knew everything. And they are really, really ineffective leaders. You, you have to be willing to have that vulnerability that says, I have something to learn from you, even if you report to me. That makes you, in my opinion, a better leader. Now, when we are looking at facing the problems, because problems don't come predefined, and you will always have different flavors, that means you got to be able to think quickly on your feet and be able to become resourceful or be resourceful in order to crack that problem or resolve that problem. So, Jim, is being able to think quickly on our feet is, again, uh, a matter of experience in a given box, if you will, or would you say this is uh, more of a nature issue that is you're born with? Well, I, you know, it's an interesting question, and I, I'm not sure if I could answer that. Are you born with it or are you learning it? I think it's a combination of both, but I think what, what Helen said was really so critical and so important that that sometimes people have to understand that you're not coming with all the answers because things are changing so rapidly that so you know is that thinking on your feet or not i'm not i'm not sure 
but you build on that experience, and you, so you're seeing things time and time again, and you say, well, in this situation, this has happened, but now the technology has changed or the organization has changed. I mean, you know, just look at the different things that are that are affecting all of us, you know, from a, from a state government point of view, you look at the Internet of Things and you say, well, how do I think about that? How do I think about body cameras? How do I think about sensors and all the information that's going to be coming in and the impact on our networks and new information coming in and how, do, how are we going to package that and how are we going to deal with that when we don't even really know what the end game is? We know there's change coming, but we don't know what the end game is. So I think it's that, and Helen mentioned, I think it's that openness to change and that openness to the discussion, which may say, I may not have the answer right now, right, at this position, at this point in time, but we're going to research this together. And that's where I think you really, you know, a true leader really brings in the, the business partners to say, this is part of the discussion. Let's look at how we're making the sausage. Let's figure this out together. Now, there'll be other things where you say, well, we, you know, cybersecurity, disaster recovery, like that. We might have some pretty good answers on that and a pretty strong roadmap, and I think we, we become the proponents for that, and we communicate that, and we understand that. On the more nebulous things or the newer things, I think we have to be open to discussions and discovery. So, Helen, when in this example, like the way you mentioned, like IoT came, or, or there may be other challenges or problems, when we are in that position, we are kind of like parents where our children, that is in this case, your, your, the, the, the troops who, who report to you are kind of looking up to you and also watching how you handle. And I, I have yet to see anyone, even though how, how much experience do they have, but if something like if totally new comes to them, they would be, um, you know, handling it in the best they can, but the way they handle is also being watched by the people below you. So how do you maintain that persona that, okay, this is a problem, I'm going to deal with it tactfully or I will deal with a cool head versus all getting riled up about it or uh, sending a wrong message. So that's the leader someone looks up to, right? Right, right. And, and I think that's a great question because as Jim mentioned, a great leader doesn't come with all the answers. They listen and they, they hear from their constituency. But a lot of times, and, and Jim probably experienced this when he went to work for the state of Maine, when you're hired as an expert, people go, oh, thank goodness, he's here or she's here, so we'll have all, all the answers. But, but we don't. And so how do you still maintain your, um, your, your standing as an expert while acknowledging that you have have things to learn, and it's so it's a balance. I think it's it's quite a balancing act, and it's interesting that you mention our, our children because one of the things I think great leaders do is they draw from their previous experiences, whether in the workplace or not. You know, you draw on your experience as a parent or as a coach in little league or as a um, you know as as an athlete to to do that. But I think as as long when you're dealing with your staff and you're moving into a new area that hasn't been um, explored in your organization before, I think as as long as you're willing, as long as you're clear and honest and and have um, real transparency about how you're approaching the problem, I, I think that that's that's a critical thing. Not to come in with bluster as if you know all about the Internet of Things because you don't. Uh, but at the same time, maintaining your standing as an expert by relating experiences you've had in similar situations 
to see if there are parallels. So I, I, for me, when you think about the Internet of Things, I draw on a recent experience I had as we moved forward with, say, a big data uh, project in, in recent years or a data, you know, analytics project. Not that long ago, data analytics was a new uh, area, too, and we had to figure out how to make that work. And so if you can take the lessons, as a leader, if you can take the lessons um, from one area and apply them to the other, I, I think you gain a great deal of confidence with your team and with your colleagues. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Jim, let's think about a scenario where, say, there was a flood and your house is almost submerged in water. You're almost on the roof. And your family, you being the head of the household, is expecting you to get them out to a safe location. What would you say to them? That I'm trying my best, I've never encountered this before? Or you will say something else which will which will make you come across as a leader so that they feel assured. Please say to your listeners, we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, so Jim, we, we go through that example of well, the house being submerged, you're at the top, and your family is looking up to you. What do you say to them which will assure them, and that is your chance to shine? Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. In a, in a funny way, as you relate that back to work, you'd really say, well, what's, this, what's the experience level? What's the seniority level of the family on the roof with me? Because if it was adult children, 
then I think you'd work together to build a plan, right? So you say, I've got some people that are experienced in this, whether it's floods or, or any other thing you might experience in life or in leadership, and you say, together we're going to make a plan. But if it's younger people, if you had like new employees or something, they'd be looking to you for the leadership. So it's very young children. You're obviously not going to say, what should we do? You're going to have to come out with some, you're going to come out with a plan. You're going to communicate that plan, but you're going to show some leadership that, I, you know, they're going to look to you. They're going to be nervous and concerned. And so you have to have the confidence to say, no, this is the way we're going to move forward. And I think you can relate that to the type of work we do every day as a CIO. There are times where you say, no, I really know this. I know this. Um, I, I know how we should approach this one, and I'm going to be the proponent, and I'm going to be the communicator. And there are other times where you're going to bring people in the room and say, okay, this is changing. I'm not sure we have this figured out. Let's let's brainstorm around this. So I think it really, in a funny way, would be, be uh, comparable to what we do day to day. It's who's on that roof with me, and what's the level of experience? There might be somebody that knows a lot more than I do, and then we'd help you know, listen to those people, too. So I think it sort of goes back to that level of experience with you. But, you know, you're going to show the leadership. And even if someone has experience and stuff, if you're the leader there, at some point you're going to make the decision and you're going to say, okay, let's move forward in this direction. So, Helen, when we do have such problems which we have never encountered before, it can throw us off. What would be the type of competencies or the wiring, if you will, in a leader, which will allow them to be able to be uh, thinking at the moment and keeping sanity so that they can have the discussion, what Jim said he, they could have with the rest of the world or the rest of the crew who may be adults or maybe children. Where would you that know, come I, from? I, I think there's two, um, there's two aspects that I think are important. I think in a, in a situation where it feels like a dire emergency, and and I'm I'm thinking of an example in my in in my experience where it was a technical issue where we experienced a, a terrible situation with a, a data center being unavailable due to a natural disaster. So you know we've never experienced that before, but the first thing I think that the leader has to do is to maintain an aspect of, of calm. You know, you can't come in all panicked and going, oh, my God, the sky is falling. So you have to set the tone in the room that even though there's a crisis here, we have to approach it in a calm and, and sensible way. The skill, I think, to thinking on your feet, as, as you've talked, is applies to something that Jim mentioned earlier. You're really, it's the same skills that you use when you're dealing with an ambiguous situation. It's a situation that you don't know. Um, you, you don't know what's going to come up. We deal with ambiguous situations every day. We're going to have a leadership change or, or um, you know, new uh, software is going to become available. So if you can take those same skills you apply to those ambiguous situations and apply it to a crisis, I think you'll be in, in better shape. Those skills in, include thinking about kind of throwing on the table all of the various options that might um, that we might consider for resolving the situation instead of coming in with, here's my idea to resolve the situation. Uh, obtaining a lot of different solutions, even some that you're, most of them you're going to just throw away, but really getting all the ideas out on the table 
being open to creative suggestions or being willing to, you don't have to come up with all the creative suggestions yourself. Like Jim said, if you've got adult children, they're going to throw you some things out there too. And uh, being open to hear those suggestions from others, I think is, is critical in that situation. So Jim, based on what you just said, would it make sense for a leader to really be able to get the experience and be able to deal with the problems and still come across as someone who led the troop successfully? First thing is to get some adult children in the room, which is your cabinet, which is your crew, because you know when the time comes when you really need someone to be by your side in order to make the right choices, you don't want to be the one left alone. Is that what I you're think, suggesting is a secret to a leadership success? Yeah, I think that's, that's you've hit on one of the most important things because at the end of the day, you know, the CIO, it's about technology and things like that, but I don't really think of my job as technology decisions. That's what we do. We do it all the time. And so, you know, our main reason here, but I think my job is making sure I have the right people on the bus, especially from a leadership in my direct reports and making sure that they bring skills that maybe I don't have or experiences I don't have, but they are thinking they're, you know, that argument heterogeneous versus homogeneous teams and which produce more and those type of things. You know, you've got to have the right people surrounding you and people that feel comfortable challenging you when you need to be challenged, but also will be, you know, supporting you as you, as you move forward, people that can communicate, people that can express themselves and people that are leaders in their own organizations and leaders with with your customers. So I think that it's so important to have the right people on the bus, the right people around that table as I sit down with my, my uh, direct reports and my leaders and stuff. You have the right people on that, that, that journey with you. And it takes a lot of different skill sets. I mean, the person in charge of, you know, workforce development will be someone that's, that's different from the person in charge of, of the network. But they're all in charge of moving us forward, right? We don't want people that are going to keep are going to be satisfied. We want people that that thirst for that the journey and to say, well, what's the next two years bring us? What are we, where are we going? And they're going to help us both work together and push each other. And it's sort of the same thing with your roof analogy. How are we going to build a consensus, but then work together to the solution? And I think that's the same type of thing. But it's so critical to have have the right people on the team with you. I think that's one of the most important jobs we can do as CIOs or any type of leader, a CEO or anything. Make sure we have the right people and the succession plans in place to continue to move the organization in the direction uh, even after you're gone. So, so that's a great playbook chapter, if you will. All right, Jim? So Helen, coming to you now, imagine you are in the beginning stages. You come into an organization and it could be a mess or worse than a mess and you are supposed to clean it up. Now, in order for you to be able to attract the right people in the first place, you got to have something which will attract them. Why should I go and work for Helen? Or why why should I work go and work for this organization? So now before you leader as a leader who will have a crew, you need to demonstrate leadership in order to create the culture and everything else whatever that would take to build that crew. How do we become the resourceful or the witty or the person with the vision and everything else before all of that would even happen? Well, that's a good question. I think one of the things that we haven't talked about uh, that, that I've used throughout my career is really uh, developing a network outside of your own organization. So I think that's one thing uh, that really gives you a leg up on 
bringing in great talent to your organization or great leaders in your organization. So for me, I've always been very deliberate about um, creating a network in 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 my uh, work or outside of my workplace in 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 my area, uh, especially in in my situation. Um, I, I've always been very engaged in building networks of women. Uh, working in technology over the years. So I, I feel that if you have a network outside of your own organization and you're well-known in your community, uh, that gives you uh, some advantage when you're looking to bring leaders into your organization. Uh, the second thing uh, you need to do, though, or that I, I, I feel has worked for me in the past, is if you come into an organization and it's not where you want it to be, Having a vision about where you wanted to go, that that's the vision that you use to hire your leaders. You, you might say to them, you know, Organization X is not known for being uh, whatever, whatever it is you're looking for, a forward-thinking organization, but that's my vision. And it's my vision that, uh, or it's the CIO's vision that's been put together not by the CIO, but by the by the community in the organization, by the leadership, by the board, by the the partners, and by the staff within the IT organization. So, being able to articulate a vision of where you're going to, I, I don't think that most leaders want to come into. I, I think uh, great leaders want to come into an organization where they have an opportunity to build an organization. Most leaders, in, in my experience, want to come in and build something. They don't necessarily want to come into something that's where's the challenge for them if it's already running like a, a spinning top, you know. So um, making sure that they're in alignment with building what you want to build is a great way to attract uh, strong leadership. So let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Jim, let's further this conversation of inviting people in. So that's a great idea Helen mentioned about building a, a network, which is a great pool of candidates, but they would be on the fence. And then Helen mentioned about sharing your vision about you know how we can do great things, etc. But how and, and what would it take for them to buy into it? Because you may have joined in there. But what's your credibility before someone else would join? And what is that trait in you that would attract to say, okay, I'm a Pied Piper, no matter whether I take you inside the river, but you go come and follow me. So what is that trait and how do you develop it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. 
Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash help or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, becoming a Pied Piper, it's a great to have that title, but it's tough to make happen because you want to have uh, people follow you into wherever you're taking them. What's that skill set? What's that charisma, uh, Jim, that we need to kind of demonstrate or at least come across? And while remaining authentic, because you cannot fake. Yeah, this is so important. And, you know, as we hire people and, you know, we, we talk about the importance of making the right decision here, both for, for the person you're hiring and for the organization. And, you know, we, we do group interviews, and, you know, I have other groups take care of the technical questions and the knowledge questions. That's really not what I'm interested in. I mean, I'm in, you know, they're going to make sure people have that right level of experience. But I really want to know, as you mentioned before, I want to know about the soft skills. You know, I like to ask people, you know, how do you stay current in the industry? I want people that are lifelong learners. I want people that are curious. I want people that are ambitious, but not in a bad way. I don't mean that to say it pejoratively, but they just want to say, you know, let's move the status quo forward. I mean, you, you couldn't live in a more exciting time, if, as far as I'm concerned, from technology. I mean, from the old days when you know, I started as a COBOL programmer, you know, in the overnight, you know, the overnight compiles and waiting a couple days for your results and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the world people have today is just so exciting. I want people that share that excitement. I want people that say, this is fun and I want to do more of it. And you know what? There's other ways we can think of things. So, you know, I look for people that are lifelong learners. I look for people, what are your experiences outside of work? Are you, are you joining groups? Are you, are you in, and Helen had talked about this a little bit before, you know, who's out there joining groups and moving the, moving the thought forward, right? The whole thought process forward. There's so many opportunities, especially around, you know, technology and things like that from robotics and, and, and uh, Code for America and Women in Code. and uh, There's so many different organizations you can help with. Or just start on your own, right? We started, uh, no, I didn't stop, but another person I know started a digital festival in one of our cities here in Maine. And it just started as an idea, right? Well, the, ne- the next year she had 22,000 people attended the three-day wow. festival. And you say, okay, how do we do more of that? How do we build that excitement? We have a thing we call Tech Night here in the state of Maine. We bring in high school kids. I think we brought in about 800 so far for a couple hours just exposure to technology. And what we find on that is so many of our employees just love doing that. They love being mentors. They love telling other people about the opportunities, especially young people, what a career is like. And, you know, people can go through high school and not understand technology at all and not understand the, the wonderful careers and the 
so many different disciplines that are needed in technology. It's way beyond developers. It's, you know, QA people, it's project management people, it's network people, all these different skill sets we need, and how do we find that? So, you know, I again, just to go back to your original question, I'm assuming a level of technology knowledge, we're going to probe for that, but I want to find where's the softer skills. And they don't all have to conform to one thing, but you want to find that curiosity, that learner, that excitement. Sanjog, can I jump in? Yes, please. Yeah, I'd like to say, you know, you, you asked how, how we become the Pied Piper or how we attract people. I think one, you know, very specific thing I'd like to note is that when a person is interviewing for a job, if I'm hiring a, I recently hired an information security officer, for example. So, you know, he's interviewing for the job, but when I meet with him, I take the approach that he's interviewing me and he's interviewing the organization too. So as much as the, the incoming candidate, if you will, has to sell themselves and uh, to, to your point and to Jim's point with um, authenticity and, and in a genuine way, so do we. we. It's an interview for us too. So I think of it less as a one-way interview and more of a, a two-way discussion to make sure that for for the organization, he was the right ISO, and to make sure for him, it was the right organization so and the right fit. So I tried to learn what he was looking for in a role, what's important to him, both professionally and personally, as Jim pointed out, to make sure we had the right fit. So I feel like making the interview a, a two-way audition instead of just a one-way audition is really critical to getting the right people on board. Jim, when we, um, you know, are tasked with leading this organization, like you were the CIO there at the state of Maine, you are expected to, of course, innovate or help innovate or bring innovation in the organization. You're supposed to help uh, bring stability in the organization. And, and for that, you have to make changes. And as part of any change, there will be mistakes made. I know no one comes to the office and says, I want to mess up today. But if the mistakes are made, and you know they are going to be made, how do you ensure that the rest of the stakeholders do not see this as oh my God, life is we are doomed, and and then start you know panicking because that's another quality of a leader to say yes the change is ugly but it's going to be better later but hold on hang tight and trust me. Yeah, it's so important to have the maturity, and it does take some maturity to to understand that mistakes will be made. You try to minimize those. You try to put them in the right sort of framework or bucket to minimize that. But you know. If we don't allow people to make mistakes, those people will never grow. I was at a National Governance Association meeting over the last week about cybersecurity, and, and one of the speakers was talking about one of the breaches, one of the bigger breaches in one of the private industries, and it said, you know, the CIO got fired. And he stopped for a minute and said, now, think about that. You've just lost that experience. You've lost all that opportunity to learn. Something happened. Something went wrong. Now that person's gone. And they'll never benefit from that learning. And obviously, you know, sometimes with big cyber breaches, you know, somebody, somebody's going to 
going to have to take the fall for that. And then, you know, you understand that's the public relation, all that kind of stuff. But I thought it was a, a very excellent point where you said, now this person's never going to learn from that because they're gone. So that, that benefit of that experience. And, you know, I think there's some typical things you do as you roll out new technology. We're rolling out business process management. Over the last couple of years, we've changed from a waterfall shop to an agile shop. We do sort of the things you should do, which is start small. Find the right project. Start small. Make your mistakes. You're going to make some mistakes. There's a, there's a big cultural change when you go from waterfall to agile. It's a whole different approach. It's a, a different mentality. It's a, it's a different way of thinking about things. And you're going to make some mistakes, and you're going to say, how do I define this role? And, you know, the project manager doesn't exist anymore. What's this scrum master? How do I, do, how do I bring the, the business partners into the discussion earlier? All that, all that stuff is new. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, you've got to start small, right? Start small, make your mistakes, and learn from that. But, you know, understand that people are going to make some mistakes, and we have to have some tolerance for that. We have to understand that's part of the growth process. No, what you just mentioned, Jim, is, of course, true when you are dealing with your troops. And I know you mentioned there were governors there. So some third party told them this is what uh, you should be doing, and maybe some of them learned the lessons. But may maybe many of them may not. Now, you in the situation where you're the CIO and you know as part of change you're going to fix things or try to turn around things, but then there will be mistakes made. How do you bell the cat? How do you make sure your stakeholders in the government don't get panicky? Because that's part of your being a good leader. Well, part of that, I think, is also understanding your who your customer is and your constituents. You have to... You have to go to the right organization. You have to partner right with the right business organization that's going to say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do some change here, and there's some risk about this, and there might be some mistakes involved, but we're going to work through that stuff. If you have a good relationship with your business partner and you can talk to them and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what the industry is doing. But we know there'll be some bumps along the road. Obviously, if you have the, the wrong relationship going in and then there's some mistakes and stuff, it's going to reflect badly on the process, which when we went agile, it's one of the things we really talked about a lot. We want to strictly adhere to, adhere to agile methodology, and we want to do it by the book as we come out of the gates because we don't want to make mistakes and then people say, oh, it was the wrong approach just because we did something wrong. So we've got to have that right customer or client at the table that says, oh, we're going to work through this together, and I think that's how you build success. Now, in the same token, Helen, if we went and, and, and explained everything to the stakeholders, they don't fully get it no matter how much you explain. And because of that consensus building, things will get stalled or get seriously delayed. And there is a saying that it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> where do you draw a line where you say, okay, I'm going to educate these people, but then by the very nature, you're dealing with multiple human beings and consensus-driven leadership may not work. What would be the, the qualities or faculty that you would call upon or bank on in order to move forward, still telling them, yes, mistakes will be made and still making sure that they are not stopping you or not coming back and slapping your hand after the mistakes indeed get made? Well, I think it's a combination of uh, something that Jim mentioned. You know, you can start small. So if you start with a smaller project, as Jim mentioned, when they moved towards Agile, they didn't pick, you know, the, the biggest project in the state of Maine to do that. So if you start with a smaller project where um, the mistakes will be less 
uh, impactful uh, to to the organization. I think that's a good way to go. Similarly, I, I think you have to look at the criticality of the of the project. We have a public safety department, you know, and obviously public safety or the police. They're going to be pretty risk averse. They're not going to have a high tolerance for mistakes. You don't want to have a mistake on um, a system, a nine one one system, and so that would not be the the area where you would pick to have a success. So finding those um, customers, having the success with customers with a higher tolerance for risk allows you then to go to other customers later and say, you know, we've already had success with this agile thing. We've had success over here with the finance department. We've had success with HR. Now let's try to have success here. So I, that at that point, when they've seen their colleagues elsewhere in the organization have success with your new processes, I, I think you have more standing to um, ensure, to, to kind of, ask for forgiveness later if things go wrong. Plus, you've been through it a couple of times, and there's much less likelihood that things will go wrong. So build on your successes uh, before you go to, to customers who are a little bit more, or to partners who are a little bit more reticent to make a change. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Helen, when we come this time, I'd like to pose a, a situation where a leader is basically a leader because somebody is ready to follow, and part of that is also based on relationships. In a corporate world or in, in, in any like formal institution, you know that there are people who would have an agenda, and they would like to have a certain things taken on as an initiative. And if we don't, then that might alienate them. So you got to take people along and you know sometimes kind of uh, take care of them in that way. But then, at the same time, as a leader, you also have a responsibility to pick up the change initiatives that truly matter. How do you balance the two? Because that also is going to determine how are you seeing, seen by the people who are truly supposed to follow you, where you, not did, you, you did not really do favors for them by picking up the projects, but still somewhere they felt that they are being heard. And you're also balancing with what really matters. Please set your listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Helen, I would like to have a leader who can pick up the change initiatives which matter. They Mm -hmm. also want to be able to do so so that they get the right exposure and grow from that process. And while all along these two things are handled, take care of other people's agendas, if you will, because relationships are at stake. How do we do this? Well, it's a, it's really a balancing act. I, you know, I think it's important to have a clear prioritization process. It, there's always going to be more change initiatives than you're going to have room to do in, in your portfolio. Uh, so it's, it's really about how you set priorities. But as you pointed out, you may have, you know, a really clear prioritization matrix or whatever tool you're using to to work on initiatives, but sometimes a stakeholder will come with one that may not score that highly in, in that um, in that process, but that for, as you pointed out, relationship purposes, it would be great to do it. And the price of doing it is all of your other stakeholders are seeing something move to the front of the queue, plus your staff is going, I thought we said we were going to prioritize this way, but now, you know, this person comes in, so how do you handle that? I think one of the things you have to do is be willing to find alternate ways to do things. You could work if, if the project is that important to someone, is there a way that perhaps we could hire an external resource to do it? Um, the other thing is, if you've got a project that somebody really wants to get done, but you simply can't take it on right now, the answer isn't necessarily no, but the answer is not now. So finding the right way to deliver that hard answer of, I can't do this now, but I'm going to try to find a way, or I'm going to find a way to do it six months down the road can be a way to um, keep keep the relationship intact. But I think the most important thing is that the CIO is not the lone decision maker, that the partners are part of that decision because it's easier for a person to hear no or to hear not now if they've been part of a conversation that that um, came to that answer. So really engaging in a more consensus-driven, um, instead of it being, well, I took it to the CIO and the CIO said no, it, it's more about I took it to the CIO and there was discussion and the answer was do it, do it later. That adds time. You know, that's not a, a fast process. It's easier to come in and say, well, I'm going to say yes or I'm going to say no. But ultimately, I think it leads to better relationships uh, in, in the long term. Now, with all that, the way you exp- uh, mentioned the way it could be handled, Jim, if other people are watching and they will be watching, people who are working for you, 
if you are either not exactly dodging but delaying so that it somehow gets done and you are doing that brokering between the different priorities and and trying to figure out how to somehow get it done is that the right coaching that you're offering to your reportees who one day will become leaders are you saying that this is what you ought to be doing which is not as a parent i would like to teach anyone right well i think that um I think that Helen's right that, that you know you're not going to do everything at once, and you have to you know set a roadmap and 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 doesn't mean you don't vi- revisit that. You know, obviously conditions change and things change, but I, I I think a lot of that is you know it goes back to that leadership word we talk a lot about is communications, communication to your your direct reports, communication to your peers, communication to your to your business partners. Why are you doing this? Well, you know, this might not make sense on the surface. Let's sit down and talk about this. Why you are doing something or why you're saying, yeah, that makes sense, but we're going to delay that. We won't do that right away. I mean, we all have challenges. We all have things we want to fix that, you know, you're not going to get to right away. I mean, every organization of any, any um, you know, it's been around for a while. has X number of legacy systems where you can't fix them all at once. You know you want to fix them. You know you want to move forward. There are a lot of reasons why you have to move forward. There's risk assessment, those type of things. But no matter what, you're not going to get to them all at once. You're not going to do these things all at once. And so I think that becomes back to having a vision and then communicating that vision. Yes, we understand. We're hearing, and it goes back to, you know, you were both talking before about listening skills. We're hearing your concerns. We understand what you're what you're trying to do. Well, we may not be able to uh, do it all at once, and we may have to take longer on this and have a strong roadmap. Now, um, with, with based on what you just said, uh, Jim, if we are looking, uh, this is for you, Helen, though, uh, the, mm-hmm. the people as leaders, like our, ourselves, if we are leaders, we are in a way seen as leaders when we develop other leaders. So if mm-hmm. we ourselves are learning, how do you, and, and at what level do you think you can really contribute towards developing others? Because there are some, some areas in which we are gray in our thinking, in our experience, or in, in our conviction that this is how it should be done. What, you know, how can, can we do justice to teaching or developing other leaders? You know, I really agree that one of the critical roles we have as leaders is developing the next set of leaders. It's developing developing our own replacements or encouraging our own um, direct reports to develop their skills so they can become CIOs, even if they lead us. You make a good point. As, as leaders, we are still learning. We have areas that are maybe less strong for us. Uh, but we have areas where we have real strength, and our our um, our direct reports can learn from those. So I, I'll go back to you know, if I have a strength, my my particular strength is in project management. It, I will take on any men, I will take on a mentoring relationship with anyone who wants to develop their skills in project management, or, or develop their skills in collaboration. If I have an area where I see a person needs to be developed, but I don't have that skill, I'll go back to the networking um, thing I described. A lot of times, as a leader, part of your job is to match up people with each other, that people who need to develop a skill and somebody who already has it 
part of our jobs as coaches can be to bring those people together, much, much like, um, you know, we were talking about baseball, much like on a baseball team. You have a hitting coach. You have a batting coach. The manager doesn't need to know everything, but he or she needs to know when to, to pull the, the, the player and the assistant coach together. And I think that that's a, a really valuable skill for us to learn. Um, I also think when I've been in a mentoring relationship, the mentor learns as much from the mentee as vice versa. So I find it to be a mutually enriching relationship when, uh, as, a, as a mentor, it, 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 it really helps you sharpen your skills and you learn a lot from that person too. But it's not, you know, it kind of it's that old, you know, it takes a village. You can't develop, even if you're a great CIO, you're not going to develop the next CIO by yourself. Sometimes you're going to connect them with others. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Helen and Jim, for sharing your thoughts on how, while there is no checklist to leadership, but there could be specific ways we can develop our competencies, skills, mindset, and approaches to become better leaders and, of course, develop others in the process. Thank you so much again. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and